Today's lesson is from the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis 37, verses 1 through 28. And I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any other of his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. He had another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What kind of dream is this that you have had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Sechem. And Jacob said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into the pit here in the wilderness. But lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, 
the long robe with sleeves that he wore. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. I have a dream today. Said by Martin Luther King, Jr., He was a man who had a powerful dream, a dream that went on to inspire a generation, a dream that still defines our moral dilemma in so many ways today. As a faithful Christian and a pastor, Martin Luther King Jr. understood the power of a dream and the way that God moves in and through dreams to cast a vision for the way the world should be, the way the world can be. I would bet that as Martin Luther King Jr. stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on that hot day in August of 1963, 
that he also understood how dreams can inspire people while at the same time be the cause of so much fear and discord. This was a level of awareness that our dear Joseph did not seem to possess. He did not seem to have a clue of how other people felt or how his dreams might make other people feel. You see, Joseph was the favored son of the favored wife of Jacob, the wife that Jacob always wanted to marry, but was tricked into marrying her sister first. Joseph was the second youngest. Benjamin is younger than Joseph, but the story tells us that Joseph was the apple of his father's eye, the child that he always wanted, with the woman that he always wanted to have children with. This boy was showered with affection, with gifts, while his older brothers of another mother were expected to do all the work. And when he was finally sent out to work with his brothers, the first thing that Joseph does is get them into trouble with dear old dad. He narks on them, snitches. And what do snitches get? Stitches. That's what my children say. He brings back a bad report about his brothers to their father, and they get scolded and threatened. And then, to make matters worse, to just really bring this familial bond together, he starts having these dreams. These dreams that he apparently cannot keep to himself. First, he dreams that he and his brothers were in the fields harvesting wheat when his sheaf rose higher than the rest and their sheaves all bowed down to his. Of course, his brothers are going to hate him when he shares this dream with them. I find myself annoyed with Joseph. And I'm not his brother. I would want to string him up. But Joseph does not stop dreaming. And either unaware of the animosity that he causes or in spite of it, Joseph shares the second dream. In this one, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars all bow down to him. And it's at this point that even his beloved father, his greatest admirer, rebukes him. Joseph, have you lost your mind? Do you think we are all going to bow down to you? Who do you think you are? I understand that Joseph is a celebrated ancestor of our faith. So much so do I understand this, that we're going to spend the next three weeks with him, just continuing the sermon series of characters of the Old Testament. But I have to admit, Joseph was obnoxious. Am I right? He was obnoxious. Just walking around, flaunting his coat of many colors, sharing his dreams. It was easy 
easy for his brothers to hate him. It was easy for his brothers to hate his dreams. The brothers perceived that these dreams threatened the natural order of things. He is the 11th of 12 12 children. He should have been basically forgotten. He should have been doing whatever the older ones said. But these dreams, but Joseph threatened the way things have always been. The way that, way that things were supposed to be. The brothers assumed the dreams were about Joseph's own ambition and the preferential treatment that he enjoyed. And can you blame him? I mean, really? The way Judah just, or the way Jacob just carried on about him. This is how Jacob treated Joseph and all of the brothers all of the time. They had no other frame of reference. In my household, they all think that Sarah, our youngest, is Joseph all the time. And we always have to ask ourselves when the kids are squabbling, as they do, are you being a Joseph? Are you being a Reuben? Are you being a Judah? You know, throwing them into the pit and selling them. Like, what is your role in this? Are you full of yourself? Are you being reflective? Are you trying to take care of the family? Hmm. Joseph's brothers, they want to kill the dream. They want to put it out of their minds. They want to stop it from becoming a reality. While we might not be driven to kill someone who shares their dream... This kind of angst is not beyond our lived experience, is it? Martin Luther King Jr. is proof of that. Sharing dreams can be risky, can make people uncomfortable. It's a dangerous thing to share a dream. It's a dangerous thing to... Share a vision for how you see the world moving forward. For the future that challenges the way things are right now. These kinds of dreams can make people uncomfortable, can unsettle them, can challenge the power that they cling to in the world. Sharing dreams like that can make people drive their feet into the ground and do unreasonable things. In Joseph's time, his brothers were unreasonable. They wanted to kill him, but they ended up throwing him into a pit with no water as if that is any better. And then they sell him into slavery thinking that this would be enough to put an end to the dream. James Earl Ray took the shot that he believed would put an end to Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream. And maybe if those dreams had only been about those two men, this story and this sermon would be over. (laughs) But it's not. 
if those dreams had only been about those two men, God's story might have ended right then and there. But the good news of the gospel is that God's dreams for humanity are bigger than the wrong actions of misguided individuals. God does not appear in Joseph's dreams, yet we know God's hand was directing the action. Joseph's dreams were God's dreams, and God's dreams do not die in some pit in the wilderness or wither on the slave train to Egypt. Martin's dreams were God's dreams, and God's dreams do not die or end because of a rifle. Instead, as God has always done, God uses the perfect messes that we create to work out God's dreams and vision for the world. In the remaining chapters of Genesis, we will see how the actions of Joseph's brothers were redeemed by God to work out God's plan for salvation for the entire world. And in the years since Martin's death, we have seen how God has used his life, his witness, and his words to inspire change in our country and across the world. God has not stopped dreaming. We have not stopped dreaming. As we live out our faith here in Rocky River, it is time for us once again to listen for God's dreams for all of us. It is time for us to trust each other enough to share our dreams, to listen with attentive ears to each other's dreams as we seek together to discern God's will in God's dream for us today. As you prepare for the next phase of transitional ministry, as you prepare for the future to which God is calling you and God is calling this community, I encourage you to dare to dream. Dare to spend time in prayer with God, listening to where God is calling you and this community to go together. Dare to spend time in Bible study, wrestling with God's stories and their importance for you and your life today. Dare to spend joyful times in community, maybe at the baseball game, remembering the power that comes from being surrounded by a family of faith that loves you for who you are embraces you for the gifts that you bring and encourages the development of God's Spirit in your soul. Dare to make space, to make space for new people to come into the community, for new ideas to infuse you with vision and energy, knowing that God's house is big enough for all people. And knowing that dreams can be risky, dare to have the courage 
Dare to have the courage to follow where those dreams might take you, even at the risk of your very lives. Dare to have the courage, because chances are they will change the way you experience God's grace at work in your life. Dare to have courage to follow where those dreams are taking you, because they will change the way the world around you experiences God's grace and peace and love and joy flowing through you into a world that desperately needs to experience God's goodness. Dare to dream and take the risk to listen. Amen? Amen.